Welcome to the Three Ball Guys Talk Marketing Podcast with Three Ball Guys. Fred Peritsky of FCP Digital, Paul Schindel of Three Bears Communications, and freelance writer Rodney Warner. Welcome, folks, to Three Bald Guys Talk Marketing with Three Bald Guys, plus a guest. Uh, three Bald Guys are myself, Rodney Warner, freelance commercial writer. Paul Schindel, Three Bears Communications, Advertising and Marketing Communications, Princeton, New Jersey. Fred Peritsky, FCP Digital, full-service digital marketing agency in Richborough, Bucks County, and Philadelphia, PA. And our guest is Dave Marcola of Keller Williams of Newtown, Pennsylvania. Welcome, Dave. It's great to be here, Rodney. Yes, it is. More great than we could possibly describe, but we'll move on anyways. So tell us your story, Dave. Keller Williams is the largest real estate company in the world. Uh, we operate in 11 different countries. We have uh, 100 and I believe 80,000 real estate agents. We have uh, number one market share in the United States, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and our little old humble town of Newtown. So uh, it's a company that focuses primarily on residential, but we have a commercial division as well, but helping people uh, achieve their dreams in buying, selling real estate. Uh, we happen to uh, have also been ranked number one in customer service most recently by a uh, Facebook survey that was done nationally. So that was a, a good thing for us to uh, receive. And, uh, you know, we've been around since the early 80s and Gary Keller's the founder and uh, still the guy at the top. So um, exciting place for, for us to work. How long have you been here, and what's your role here? So I've been uh, with Keller Williams Newtown since uh, February of this year. I have my own team. My group is called the Dave Marcola Group, and I have a... How, did you, how did you come to that name? Well, it was the only <laughs> one that I put in that was still available. Um, I had a few others, but uh, I was lucky that way. Uh, I think you sound like, like a jazz band, you know? The like group? The Dave yes. Marcola Group. The Dave Marcola Group. Yeah. I would be on drums. L like but, a, like yeah. a jazz fusion kind of thing? I like it. <laughs> well, since I'm a drummer, I, I'd have to be the drummer in that group. But I'm, but, but I'm a drummer. Oh, we'll have to talk about it. See what you learn from a podcast? We'll we have could have a, a drum off. We'll have a great conversation. You'll have to come to my house and see the collection. So, Dave, I know uh, from knowing you a little bit as a fellow board member of Newtown Business Association that you have a vast experience before real estate. Tell us a little bit about your professional career before deciding to switch into real estate. Sure. So, yeah, I've got uh, my bachelor's degree and master's in marketing. That's always been a passion for me. And one of the things that I've learned uh, in the different careers that I've had prior to this is that uh, marketing truly is uh, transformative and it goes across all industries. And if you're good at marketing, which to me is uh, understanding and helping your client or prospect determine they need your services before they realize it. Uh, you can do that in any industry. So I started out right out of college in banking. I worked for the first ever bank to be open seven days a week in America, Commerce Bank, which is now TD Bank. Uh, I went on to AT&T and was part of the first ever iPhone launch. I was there seven years, worked in uh, product marketing and then moved to Comcast in Philadelphia and was there three years. And the last role I had there was a senior director of marketing to launch uh, Xfinity Mobile at Comcast. So 
I, I just, to me, it was an opportunity to go into real estate and build my own brand. I had launched brands and, and worked in the corporate world doing so. And I thought, what if I could take something that I'm passionate about, which was uh, real estate, and um, help people. And, and the other thing is just really transform uh, the experience. So my taglines expect better because my experiences have not been phenomenal in real estate as a client. And uh, so I, I like to, again, as I defined marketing, go in and see what can I do differently? How can I uh, make it a better experience? And how can I help a client experience the, um, the, the, as I said before, the dream of buying or selling their home in the way that they want for the, the value they want. You know, I'm, I'm curious, as far as the, the, the folks that you've worked for in the past, what, as far as their marketing and, and your participation, what have those folks done well and what have they not done well as far as marketing is concerned? Sure. So I think that uh, Comcast being the most recent uh, company that I've worked for, you know, being a part of the company for the past, uh, you know, three years, um, four years ago, I guess I should say now, um, it's hard to have a good sense of what maybe you all might think of Comcast. But I know when I went there, I was thinking, what am I doing going to work for the most hated company <laughs> in America? There may still be some of that, but, you know, part of our jobs was to change that. And what stunned me day one was this was like, you hear of Ivory Tower? I mean, I had my own TV and X1 on and cappuccino maker and beautiful view of the city. <laughs> and you, I wouldn't have thought I was working at Comcast because that's not surely what it feels like to the customer. So I think some of the things that, uh, in particular with Comcast, I think they focus so heavily in their mind, rightfully so, on product to be the first uh, to bring you you know, X1 and the voice remote. And these are all platforms that other com com companies uh, around the globe are paying to use their platform that they've developed because it's bar none the best. But customer experience paid the price. So I would say that, um, you know, from a marketing perspective, I think they do a good job on, on uh, pushing product and developing product. Uh, but I think sometimes that's, uh, again, they could do a better job marketing the customer experience in a way that aligns to the reality they're delivering. So is your expect better line really a reflection of your Comcast experience or your real estate <laughs> experience? I think I think it's a tagline for me personally. I mean, I, I just I personally get so frustrated when I'm dealing with any company, you know, as a client nowadays where it just seems like we've just lowered the bar across the playing field that, you know, just that they're open and someone's standing there or answering the phone. What more do you want? Uh, so I think we all should expect better, and I think we should make good choices when we're choosing uh, vendors and clients and services, prov service providers, to make sure that aligns with your expectations. Now, I'm sure there's some folks that, eh, whatever, buying a house, here you go. But there's a lot of people out there that expect it to be a good experience and think mistakes not to be made. Um, and, and I think that's what I'm aiming to deliver. It's very important. In previous podcasts, you bring up about the customer experience. We've talked about the user experience, and, and, we, and which is a very big tagline. Today, the UX, UI, user experience, user interface. And it's very important in all the jobs that we do in marketing with writing, communications, web design, social media. The user experience is much more important today than ever. It's always been. And with real estate, too, there are so many, like you just mentioned, you're 
company, Keller Williams, is the number one in the world. They have 180 some thousand realtors. So how many realtors are there in the United States that you can just go to the next one? So it, it's and you all have the same listings or similar listings. So what do you differentiate yourself besides expect better? What do you do to make your customers expect better and get better? Yeah, and I think that uh, if you break down what you should expect from a realtor, especially if we take just, uh, let's say, the home sale, you're going to list your home. The components that go into that are going to be pricing it right. So that's an analysis of the market and understanding numbers and finance to a degree. Uh, the Taking the product itself, you think about you know when I launched the first iPhone or wh whatever products I've worked on, packaging is key. Um, what you're going to do to make it pop out on the shelf. Well, that's what you do with a home, and that comes down to having the best photography, understanding staging, uh, making the home just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, the next is how are you going to market it? How are you going to create awareness? Uh, 80 to 90, I think it's closer to 90% of people who buy homes today found it online. So it's not about newspaper ads or you know putting a sign out front. Yes, you need to have a sign out front, but... Uh, it's what's your digital marketing strategy, and it needs to encompass social. It can't just be, well, it's in the MLS. Good luck. Um, so I think when I when I look at those components and I realize that those are all things I did in different worlds, and then I see the real estate agents I've worked with personally or some of the folks, I, I get quite a few listings where I'm getting it the second run. They didn't sell it in the first six months. Dave, come help us. They've had one component of that because they've worked in real estate 30 years or whatever it might be. But they have no idea about digital marketing. They have no idea about different taking into consideration some of the fluctuations impact of the marketplace uh, from global economics even and thinking about where we're headed next year's election or different things like that. So to me, it's a combination of bringing experience that you wouldn't expect that actually makes a big difference and is why I can say I sell homes within 28 days and 97% of asking price. And also that interaction, that personal interaction. I tell any anytime I interview for a listing opportunity and they tell me, uh, you know, we're going to interview three people. And I say, that's perfect. That's what you should do. Don't ever settle. But when you interview them, do do two things. One, does it make sense what they're saying? And then two, do you want to work with this person and talk to them every day for potentially the next 90 days? Or is there something about them that maybe you're not going to click because it's going to be a relationship? You know, I've been lucky to have clients that I've formed good relationships with and get great feedback about that. So I think if you nail that and you're a person people want to be around and you're bringing that extraordinary aspect that most realtors don't have in the marketing space, et cetera, I think that's how you deliver on Expect Better. So take us a step back from that, because at that point, you've gotten the call, you're sitting with the prospect. What do you do to, to brand yourself or your group so that they say, Keller William is pretty good. I wonder who I should go to there. There are other agents out there. How do they find out about you and the, you know, and the qualities that you offer? Early on, when I moved into real estate, I um, showed a listing, uh, someone else's listing. I had the buyer. And when I went on to her website and then saw on her business card and, you know, everywhere I went, it said by referral only. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I can't even imagine turning people away because you weren't referred to me. But the reality is, fast forward almost two years later, 90% of my business is from referral. She did a, a nice marketing spin on that 
to say by referral only. I'd probably say all of my business is from referrals. Uh, so I think starting out, it's very different. When you start out, you know, I paid for leads from Realtor.com, which is where people click on a house and then it comes to me to represent them. That's helpful. It's expensive. But the best clients I've had have been referrals from existing clients. Um, I'm a big, back in my banking days, you know, when I was doing that in Newtown, I was on, on the Rotary Group. I was Business Association of Newtown as well. The um, I was chair of the first night Newtown for two years. I was on the Tyler Tasting Committee at the community college. It was just FaceTime and getting engaged in the community. Networking. So exactly. So I think that networking continues. A lot of folks will say in real estate, well, how do you measure success? It's, well, how many closings do you have this month? How many appointments do you have next month? That's all important, but I start at the beginning with how many people did I meet today I didn't know yesterday? Because there will be a point in time, unless you live in your car, where you're probably going to have something to do with real estate. So I leverage that. I leverage some other tools like that I do pay for that make sense to me. AdWorks is one where you know now I'm popping up my smiling face in your uh, internet flows because I'm paying to do so. But it's not because I want someone to click on it and call me to sell their house. I want them to be keep me top of mind and just be a reminder I'm out there. And then you reinforce with what are you doing in the community? What is your reputation with your clients? And I think it just all comes back around. And then you give it time. So what do you see as the biggest challenge in, in uh, marketing real estate? So once you've got listings and and trying to sell them. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest challenge is probably if you haven't been able to get all of those pieces together the way that I mentioned. So if the price is not in line, that's the number one biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I always tell my clients, I w- won't price your house. Do an analysis and we'll sit down together and I'll show you the range. And then we'll talk about what's your your impetus for selling. How quickly do we need to move? And then we'll deliver on that. But you have clients that say, I want you to, to sell this. I, want, I love everything about your strategy, but there's no way I'm lowering my price to what you're saying. I think this house is special and your numbers don't matter. And, and so then 90 it sits, days later, we're lowering the price. <laughs> <Right>. So, <laughs> But that doesn't bother me. That's fine, right? That's their strategy as long as they want to you know, work with me when it's not working. And we say, when's that point? So we can, to your point, is it 90 days? Is it a month from now? I like to check in about every two weeks. But I think that's the the biggest challenge because if you've got everything else right and the market forces which you can't control but you know within reason people are out looking it's not difficult so as, as far as your your experience in the corporate world and what you're doing now i mean what what advice would you give to other people who own businesses or, or run businesses you know what are some marketing do's and don'ts that you think are important that maybe other people don't understand or maybe they don't do well if you think about the four p's of marketing the most basic right? You've got to have the right product. So what you're offering has to make sense. It's got to be priced right. You've got to show up in the right places and make sure people know you exist. And then promotion, you've got to be willing to spend a little bit to get, not overspend. Uh, And so I think it's important to watch that profitability and the bottom line and and keep that in check. Uh, Somebody said to me the other day that uh, I think it was the owner here that, um, the worst thing you can do is to go out there and not have a budget and just think that it's okay. We'll just, and, and I'm guilty of that. Just kind of shoot from the hip. And as long as I haven't run out of money, why not? But it is important to budget as a small business. Look at all of those again with the four P's. I often use that just as a blanket, but I say like, write it all out, have a business plan. Where are you involved in the community? Where are you giving back? Who do you know? How are you getting in front of them? What's your, your whatever it might be, touch plan? How often are you emailing prospects versus sending them something 
in the mail versus a helpful newsletter versus, hey, how are the kids? And you need to put it all together into a plan and not just shoot from the hip. I think that's the biggest advice I would have. What advice would you give those people that say that they can sell their house themselves? Now, the three of us... Fizbos. Mm-hmm. Three of us get that from for, that's for sale by owner. For sale by owner, we get we get this a similar thing in our businesses where people say, "Well, I I can build a website myself," or my son who's in high school knows a lot about Facebook. He could build my my website or do email from your social media or write my content. And we know that most of that is not true because you need a professional. I know a lot of people who think they can sell their house by themselves. You don't see those signs, sale by owner, so much, but I know that I still see it. What advice would you give to somebody who's thinking about that in the kind of market that we're in in this part of the country, the way mortgage rates are, and all the other associated things with the complexities of selling a house? Great question. So I have a very good friend and uh, former employee of mine from AT&T days. He's going to sell his own house. It hasn't started yet, but uh, that's his plan. Uh, And his answer to me was, because it's not rocket science. The good news for all of us in real estate is that over the decades and even the past couple of years, that percent of people who sell on their own, FISBO, as we heard, continues to decrease. It's extremely small now, but it still happens. What I would say if somebody's considering it, you know, I, I would have never sold a house by myself. I had my MBA in marketing and I used a realtor each time I've moved because there's just so much that goes into it. Number one, there's so much goes into it that people don't realize the minute they're on the market and phone calls are coming and you're hosting an open house and you're doing you're just not prepared to handle all that. And number two, I would say that the fact that this is probably your most valuable possession, why would you ever, you, you don't write your own insurance policies. You don't, you know, the, the things that are very important to you, you don't neglect. So don't neglect yourself in trying to sell your house. The stats all, I don't have the stat in front of me, but the stats all prove that you will make more on your home if you pay someone to sell it for you. And you can even strategize with the agent in a way that pretty much will cover the cost of hiring them because they'll be able to sell it for that much more and in the end you won and you had less headaches. So I, I, I have nothing to say to support doing it. Uh, I would say sit down and understand with an agent you know, what are all the things because sometimes it may just be that you just don't understand all that they're doing for you. It's not that they're putting the sign out front for you. It's a million other things. You know, I know when, when we bought our house, we talking to our real estate agent. She was like, you know, it's so much of the work is after the sale. It's not, I think when people are in that situation, when I think about, well, I could just do it myself. They don't think about everything that goes on after the sale and making sure everything runs smoothly and all the paperwork is done and all that good stuff. So it's it's not just selling the house. Yeah, absolutely. And even, I mean, in New Jersey, the majority of people will hire an attorney as well to add another level of protection and make sure everything's going the right way. And so it's just a, a very, very important transaction that I, I think it would be silly to uh, mess around with without knowing what you're doing. You know, I was, I wrote a piece for a, for an estate attorney and I, I read a quote from another attorney who said, well, you could write your own will, but it's kind of like self-dentistry. You know, <laughs> you, you probably shouldn't do it yourself. You know, you might be able to do it, do the right job. But Just to add my two cents in here, what, when we were young, very young, and we were selling our first house, we decided to become FISBOs because as a young accountant, I knew everything there is to know about everything that lasted a week. And that way, uh, I have to. And, and now, as an old accountant, how's well, that working? Well, now as an old, older <laughs> web designer, as a seasoned web designer, I, I know the things that I don't know. And after a week, uh, my wife and I looked at each other and said, 
this is ridiculous. We can't sell the house by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And the realtor sold it in like days. I would imagine the biggest challenge is there's just so many real estate agents. When we moved from Connecticut to Pennsylvania in 2004, it was so funny because we talked to neighbors and friends, where we're going, Bucks County. And I would say a third to 50% would say, oh, I know somebody who's a real estate agent down there. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, was, it was really just so, so, so amazing. So, so the, the follow-up question that comes to my mind on that is that I'm aware that there are a lot of people who have a real estate license but don't necessarily make that their living. They do it so that they can manage their own small group of properties or whatever it might be. So how does that, you know, how many people, how many agents are actually career real estate full-time people? I would say it's probably about 20 to 30 percent of those licensed. It's pretty small. And, um, you know, one of the the stats I just heard yesterday was in the country of the real estate agents who do, it was either, I think it was 5 million or more a year in transactions. 49 percent are Keller Williams agents. The other 51 percent are spread across the hundred of other brands out there. So that just that stat obviously just speaks to that the top performers are choosing Keller Williams. But yeah, in general, I mean, there's there's a lot of people that uh, have their license because the classes. I mean, you still people are signing up left and right. It's because the uh, barrier to entry is nothing. You have to have about in total with fees and everything, and to go through two weeks full. Uh, every day, two weeks of training, probably a thousand dollar investment, and you need to have graduated from high school. Keller Williams and all the Colorado Banker and Weikert, all the others have their own business in training agents as well. Yep, and that's one of the other Keller Williams trademarks is that they have, as you saw on the wall when you walked in. I think Rodney said bold. You know the, that bold is a program. It's a, a training program. It helps you take your business to the next level. We have new hire training, which goes ninety days, and I have people shadow. I'm doing three open houses at my listings this weekend. I have new agents shadowing me, and it's definitely more robust than any other. So you get a lot of new hires coming through our doors. But, you know, just like starting any small business, the amount that are successful is a lot less than those than aren't, that aren't successful. Either it doesn't work out, it was a good idea, it was easy, didn't cost me much, and it didn't work out, and I go do something else. I think it's a common thing to do when you lose your job. And then, you know, again, you realize, well, I'm not getting 401k, I'm not getting benefits, this filled a gap, but now I'm going back to the full-time gig. Or it's a side thing. A lot of people I know are doing it part-time, uh, we just started evening and weekend classes for those agents because during the day they've got a regular job. They're doing this on the weekends. I understand you got other stuff going on in your life, like uh, all this nonprofit stuff you do. Oh, yes, Rodney. Thank you. I almost <laughs> forgot I did have other things in my life. <laughs> no, that, or, or maybe you don't. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yes. So uh, I've been a board member for about eight years now, eight or nine, with the Cancer Support Community Greater Philadelphia. And as you well uh, know, Rodney, we support and provide support to those touched by cancer in the greater uh, Philadelphia area. And the difference from most other uh, cancer charities is that literally it's just touched by cancer. So you could come to one of our uh, seven locations and say, I have a loved one that was diagnosed with cancer and I'm trying to care for them. I need help. What do I do? So we come in after the diagnosis and we help provide that path and put folks together in groups who are going through the same types of situations. Um, So to do that, you know, it's roughly a million dollars a year in operating expense and we get no government funding or any kind of support. So it's all through uh, basic fundraising 
and most heavily through events. So we have an event that I'm chairing coming up called Pints in the Park. It is September 15th. It's a Sunday coming up from 1 to 4. We'll be in Fairmont Park at the beautiful Ridgeland Mansion, which is one of our locations we provide support. And we will have uh, Newtown Rentals doing our tenting outside. We'll have 12 breweries, two distilleries. We will have Kirko, a local live band performing, cornhole tournament, all kinds of good stuff. Tickets are $50. And you can get them at phillypints.org. What are the tough things about marketing a, a nonprofit? Uh, much like realtors, <laughs> there's a lot of nonprofits out there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think... You know, especially <clears throat> cancer nonprofits, mm-hmm. but I think CSC is really, as you noted, pretty unique. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the organization doesn't fund, like, research, but actually right. helping to get people through what they're dealing with. Yeah, and I think that, uh, the, the, like you just touched on, the fact that cancer charities, which is great, uh, are so prolific and there's so many different types of them, it starts to become confusing. And, you know, a lot of people that I talk to think I'm saying the American Cancer Society. And no, um, it's also a simple name, Cancer Support Community, but totally different mission. And so I think the, the challenge, like you said, Rodney, is how do you market that as different and why it's important and does one charity replace the other? How do I, who should I support? Right. You know? So you know, I remember when I lived in Connecticut, I did a you know a small fundraiser for a Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and I, I was supposed to like send out this canned letter to all my neighbors, but I wrote a personal letter because I was going through can through cancer treatment at the time, and I got some checks back, and that was great. And of course, one was written out to the American Cancer Society, so it was like you know it was so it was you know that's that's kind of the thousand pound elephant in the room when it comes to... uh... So Dave, tell us what you do in two contexts related to, uh, through social media channels, both to market your brand as the preferred realtor and to market your your products, the homes that you're selling. So I I like to um, put a focus, especially I leverage Instagram a lot, uh, put a focus on the product again. So I'm very lucky that for all those listeners who are also my clients that I have very beautiful properties. So I like to feature different uh, aspects of the property and some some unique attributes. The other thing I like to do is when I'm working with my buyers and I'm showing properties and some of the things are just... I saw a house the other day that was... Brady Bunch floor to ceiling, like flowered wallpaper on the ceilings. But just it's I I look at it like, wow, how lucky am I that I got to go into this crazy looking house today? And so, you know, I like to capture imagery, kind of capture parts of what it's like to be a realtor and be in in my world and the things you go through uh, that are all positives, because I think this can be a fun experience, too, for clients. They they can have fun with me. Um, And that's one of the things that I would say came through with I always uh, make sure to get a, a kind of a feedback survey at the end of every experience. And uh, probably more than I should, I get people laughing right away because I think it gets taken way too seriously and we need to joke about things and life's taken too seriously. So uh, the humor aspect comes through. I try to show that as well as part of my brand in, in social media. The other thing is that I like to leverage Facebook for targeted marketing campaigns. So doing boosted ads and targeting, you know, I have properties that uh, a little higher end than the New Hope area, for instance, I can target that to certain New York communities or certain other pockets of metro communities in the country where I think people would love to come learn about and could potentially love a second home in the New Hope area, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm often thinking how lucky we are that we have that technology 
other than the, the cost to boost an ad pretty much free at our fingertips. So leveraging um, the ability to target without buying an ad in the New York Times and, and push that product to the audience that you want to get it to. Our listeners know that we're talking a lot about social media and we will be talking in a future episode about paid media through boosted promoted posts search engine marketing of all sorts coming up you know i remember on your facebook feed it was one of the one of your one of the properties you're selling it was like in chinese or something like that i mm. mean mm-hmm. so it, it's not just new york that that you're advertising these properties unless uh, it's you're right. aiming at chinese people living in new york i suppose but We're correct but no that was actually <laughs> china um, yeah there's a it's kind of a luxury marketing package that i put together for definitely unique higher-end properties, and it's marketed in 46 countries with however many languages that encompasses because we've, we see a high number of uh, international clients buying those types of properties, and they're going to find it in those, you know, there's certain sites that are we would have never heard of that are kind of our version of Realtor.com and such in these other countries. So you need to be connected and plugged in and make sure that you're getting exposure there. I don't have any questions, but I just wanted to thank Dave for sharing with us the marketing tips for not only his business, but marketing tips in general. You know, we talk, you know, amongst ourselves on the podcast about marketing in our businesses to our clients, which range from accountants, lawyers, manufacturers, all kinds of businesses, realtors. I have several realtor clients and everybody should know how important marketing is. And you also bring up a really good point that if people think that they can do real estate as a part-time job, just the marketing part of it that's involved, then they really should talk to Dave about that to get talked out of spinning their wheels. Um, this was great. This was very eye-opening. And I knew about your cancer organization. I think it's a great thing to do. And um, especially Ridgeland Mansion, which to give a shout out to my clients that you already mentioned, Newtown Party Rental and Open Air Affairs, who manages the venue, Ridgeland Mansion. So thank you for mentioning that. Thank you, Dave. Yes, thank you. And thank you for the office for for which we can record this. That was helpful, too. My pleasure. So do you want to give out your uh, your contact information in case somebody's listening and wants to uh, reach out? Sure, yeah. If you'd like to learn more uh, or even see my documented before and after of a farmhouse that I'm restoring in Pennington, New Jersey, my website is www.davemarcola.com. So D-A-V-E-M-A-R-C-O-L-L-A.com. My phone number is 609-423-9147 and uh, email dave at davemarcola.com. So, yes, definitely my pleasure, and thank you guys for having me today. Thank you. Thanks for being here. So I think we're going to wrap it up, and uh, I'd like to thank everybody who's listening for listening, and uh, please uh, subscribe to the uh, podcast set. Signing off, I'm Rodney Warner, a commercial freelance writer, and you could reach me at uh, writerforhire at... Outlook.com. Then it's me. Yeah, then Paul it's you. Paul Shindell, Three Bears Marketing Communications in Princeton, threebears.com. Spell it out, T-H-R-E-E-B-E-A-R-S.com, Paul at threebears.com. And I'm still Fred Peritsky, FCP Digital, Fred at fcpdigital.com. And Dave and I are going to talk more about drums uh, when the podcast is over. Yeah, that's a separate podcast. Thank you again. Thank you for joining us at the Three Bald Guys Talk Marketing Podcast. Please join us again next time. Check out our website at three, the number three, baldguyspodcast.com. Until next time, may the good marketing be yours. <laughs>